Pesachim Perak Aleph Mishnah He. So we saw in the previous Mishnah that Rabbi Huda said that the rabbinic chametz prohibitions take effect in two stages. The first stage is that eating chametz becomes rabbinically prohibited at the start of the fifth hour. So let's say that's 10 o'clock. And then other forms of benefit become rabbinically prohibited at the start of the sixth hour. That's 11 o'clock. Now he's going to bring support for his view from a practice that was observed in Yerushalayim when the Beth HaMikdash was standing. Va'ad ama Rabbi Huda. Rabbi Huda said further, Shtei chalot shel toda. The two disqualified chametz loaves of a toda offering were taken in the morning before Pesach. So the toda offering is brought by a person who wants to thank God for having saved them from a calamity. So what it would consist of was an animal and 40 loaves of bread, of which 30 of matzah and 10 of chametz. Now the toda can only be eaten the day that it is brought on the following night. Anything left over after this is disqualified and must be burned. Now, when it came to the morning of the 14th of Nisan every year, a large number of Toda offerings will become invalid for the following reason. Because one cannot bring an offering unless eating it will be permitted throughout the entire time that is allotted for its eating. So you couldn't bring a Toda offering on the 14th of Nisan because the Chametz part of the offering, as in the 10 Chametz loaves, Okay, would could not be eaten after midday, which is earlier than the end of the period allotted for the Tadai offering, as in because you could have eaten it that day and the following night. So bringing a Tadai on Pesach itself was certainly forbidden because it had Chametz. So people that wanted to bring a Tadai offering couldn't do so on the 14th, so they either had to bring it the day before or wait until after Pesach. This resulted in an unusually large number of Tadai offerings being brought on the 13th. There were so many that it was impossible for them to be eaten before their deadline of daybreak on the morning of the 14th, so there were so many, there were just too much bread. So a bunch were left uneaten and became disqualified. Since these were disqualified offerings, since these disqualified offerings had to be burned in any event, two of the chametz loaves were used for public signal, as we're going to see, before they were burned. So you had these two loaves, Umanachot al Gag they were placed on the roof over the row of benches on the Temple Mount as a sign for people to see. So they were surrounding the, the Temple Mount, there were benches where people would sit, and they were covered by 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 roof. Okay, so these two loaves were placed on there. So Kol Zaman Shemunachatz, as long as both of those loaves lay there on display, Kol Ha'amachlim, all the people knew they couldn't eat Chametz. Nisla Achatz Tolim, when one loaf was removed at the beginning of the fifth hour, they knew they could, they should suspend the Chametz. Lo Achlim Volosorfin, they couldn't eat it and they couldn't burn it, but they didn't have to burn it. Nisla Shtehem, but when both loaves were removed, so let's say at 11 o'clock, Hitzchilu Kol Ha'am Sorfin, all the people knew that they must begin burning it. So that is... A demonstration called Rabbi Huda that you know it came in these stages. First stage, no eating, second stage, then you'd have to burn it. Now we have a third opinion. Rabban Gamliel, Omer, Rabban Gamliel said, kol arba. Ordinary non-sacred chametz can be eaten the entire fourth hour until ten o'clock. However, chametz that is Turuma can be eaten the entire fifth hour until eleven o'clock because Turuma shouldn't be destroyed until absolutely necessary. So so what he would do, um he would say that you can eat your regular chametz fine until 10. You have an extra hour because it's Turumah. Try and, you know, get through a bit more Turumah so you don't have to destroy it unless you absolutely have to. However, the Sorofin B'tichir but we must burn all chametz whether it's Turumah or not at the beginning of the 6th hour, 11 o'clock. Okay? So that is Mishnah here. Mishnah Vav. Now, the following Mishnah isn't about the laws of Pesach. It was added here because it's an introduction to the next Mishnah which talks about burning Turumah that is chametz on Erev Pesach. Now, you can't cause teruma or kodshim, sacrificial items, to become tamer. This Mishnah discusses whether it's permissible to add greater levels of tumah 
to remark Kodashim that were already somewhat Tameh. So so we need to once again just, just make sure that we're clear and we have a, a good understanding of what the laws of Tumah are. Okay, so we've got a brief outline right now. There are two basic classes of Tumah in our Mishnah. You've got things that are the sources of Tumah, things that create Tumah, and things that become Tameh. Okay, they, they came into contact with the source of Tumah and they are now Tameh. A source of Tumah is called an Av HaTumah. Whereas the thing that acquires Tumah is called a Vlad HaTumah, the offspring of Tumah or secondary Tumah. So sources of Tumah are dead animals, um, are people with certain bodily conditions such as Sarat. Um, and these are sources of Tumah. Secondary Tumahs are people, utensils, foods or beverages that touched a source of Tumah. So if any of those touch an Avah Tumah, they become a Vlad HaTumah. Now the most intense source of Tumah is that of a human course, which is known as an Avi Avot HaTumah, the father of the father of Tumah. It is given this name because it makes most vessels and people that come into contact with it an Av HaTumah, even though they don't, they're not actually a source of Tumah. There are varying levels of secondary Tumah. So an item that receives, receives its Tumah from an Av HaTumah is now called a Rishon. It can then convey Tumah to food and beverages, but not to people or utensils. The food or beverage that becomes Tameh from a Rishon is now known as a Sheni. With regards to Cholin, there is no Tumah after the Sheni level. However, Turumah can become a Shilishi, a third degree of received Tumah. And Kodshim, sacrificial items can receive even a fourth degree. Okay, now Kodashim that become Tameh cannot become offered on the altar. There's a biblical commandment to destroy them by fire away from the altar. So that's our introduction, just again to have a good understanding of what's going on with Tumah before we start learning this Mishnah. Rabbi Chanina Sagan HaKohanim Omer. Rabbi Chanina, the administrator of the Kohanim, said, In the days of the Kohanim, they did not refrain from burning sacrificial meat that had become Tameh by touching a secondary source of Tumah, okay, um, thereby making it a Shelishi. Okay, so you've got this meat that had become um, a Shelishi, so they didn't refrain from burning it, together with the sacrificial meat that becomes Tameh by touching an Av of Tumah, which made the Rishon, even though by burning the two pieces of meat together, they were adding a greater level of Tumah to the Tumah of the first piece, when the meat that was a Shelishi touches the meat that was a Rishon, while being burnt, burnt with it, the Shelishi becomes a Sheni, because it basically his level of Tumah increases. However, the Karnim in charge of the Temple did not refrain burning such pieces together. We see from this that although it is forbidden to cause Tumah to Kodashim, once something is Tameh, it is permissible to impart a higher level tumah to it, since it no longer is going to be eaten in any case, but is being burnt, going to be burnt on account of its tumah. Now the next tana, tana is even more lenient. Hosif Ribi Akiva Amar Ribi Akiva went further and said, "Mimehem shel kohanim." In the days of the kohanim, lonim neumel halik et hashemen shenifsal bitzvuliyom. They did not refrain from burning oil of tumah that had become disqualified by coming into contact with a tavul yom. Okay, so so you got this this oil of turmeric that becomes disqualified, as in as in it's now. Um, what does it mean that something's passable when it comes to tumah? It's something that becomes tamer at such a low level that it cannot make anything else of its own kind tamer. So turmeric that is a sheni is called tamer, since it can still make other turmeric a shelishi. However, turmeric that becomes a shelishi is called passable because it cannot make any other turmeric. To be tamer. So, so this has become pasul, okay? It's tamer but cannot impart tumah to its own kind, but it came into contact with a tavol yom. 
Okay, so a person who is Tameh must immerse himself in the mikvah and the mikveh to become Tahar. Even then, they do not become completely Tahar until nightfall of the day on which they immerse themselves. Between the time they immerse and nightfall, this, this person is called a Tavul Yom, someone that immersed that day. A Tavul Yom cannot eat Tarumah or Kodeshim until nightfall following the immersion. If, if, if this person touches Kodeshim or Tarumah, they become contaminated with Tarumah. So this Tavul Yom touched this oil. Okay, so a person with a sheni level tumat therefore made the oil they touched the shilishi. Okay, so they, they can take this oil that is a shilishi and they would burn it, but ne shenitzma met in a metal lamp that became tameh from something that became tameh from a corpse, making the lamp in av hatuma. So, so this 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 lamp is a bowl in which oil and wick are placed in it and lit. Now, although contaminated tuma must be burned, it is permitted for Karlim to benefit from from it while it's being burned. So Turama oil that became Tameh can be used for Karlim for lighting an oil lamp. Most lamps in those days were made of pottery, although some were made of, of metal. Our Mishnah is speaking of a metal lamp, as we're going to see soon. Okay, so they, they will do is that will take this this oil and they will burn it in a metal lamp that had been become Tameh from a corpse. Okay, so this corpse... Um, a person who touches a corpse becomes an avhatuma, and a person who touches that touches them become a rishon. However, this is true only for earthenware utensils. With regards to other types of utensils that become in contact with a corpse tuma, the Torah has a unique role. The utensil assumes the level of tuma of whatever it touches. If it touches a corpse, it becomes avi avatuma, like the corpse itself. It touches something that becomes tamer from a corpse, it becomes avatuma. So now we're teaching of a lamp that had touched the person who had touched the corpse. By touching the corpse, that person became an avatuma. The lamp that touched this person therefore also becomes an avatuma. By pouring the oil into it, we're making that oil, which up until now had been a shilishi, into a rishon. So it's now in contact with an avatuma. So afapisha must even tuma So we can combine this, even though they're going to add. A greater level of tumah to the oil's previous level of tumah. After coming into contact with the tvulyam, the oil was only a shilishi, whereas coming into contact with the lamp, it becomes a rishon. We see from this that although it's forbidden to cause a tumah to a turuah, it is permissible to make a rishon out of turumah that had previously only been a shilishi, since the turumah is in any case being burned because of its tumah. Rabbi Kiva here is more lenient than Rabbi Khanina. Rabbi Khanina taught only that it's permissible to raise the level of Tumah one degree by making a Shini out of a Shilishi. Rabbi Kiva says, no, here we can even make a two degrees raise. We can make a Rishon out of something that is a Shilishi. So we're seeing two cases here, Rabbi Khanina and Rabbi Kiva, that, were, that they both say that when it came to these things in the Ba'amikdash, when it came to uh, destroying, burning these these things that become Pasul, there was uh, an element of being able to raise its Tumah um, from one case to another. Have a great day.